Hey everybody, this is Juan Martinez of the Easyville Network, and welcome to the Easyville Minute for Monday, August 20th, 2018. So apologies for not being able to put up a podcast on Friday, I was busy building a wall in my house. No, not the kind of wall that literally, figuratively blocks off a group of people because of the color of their skin. It doesn't demonize them in any sort of way, but not like, you know, our orange clown of a president. Uh, it's just because I needed to build a wall because... The soil was eroding and the fence was coming down a little bit and we had to make a couple of fixes. So, uh, yeah, we had to basically break it down a little bit and dig a couple holes. And we're not even done digging the holes uh, so we can build the foundation and put up some block walls now. So it's been a pretty busy weekend with that. A lot of going to Home Depot back and forth, uh, changing orders, making orders, just Doing a whole bunch of stuff that is the joys of home ownership, as I like to call it. That should really be a hashtag at this point, where these are the kind of things that they don't tell you about when you buy a house. Uh, you know, it's all hunky-dory. It's all fun when you buy the house. You got all this promise, all this potential of like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build that. When in reality, it's a lot of bills. It's a lot of responsibilities. It's a lot of things that you don't see taking place that you have to take care of almost on a daily basis. And you realize, man, this is a lot different than I thought when I first thought about buying a house. And, you know, I was one of those people who really, really just wanted to get a house at some point before turning 30. And, you know, I did that. And it was just one of those, you know, point of accomplishments or things that just made me feel proud. Like, I did it. I got a house. Uh, but then you realize, man, there's a lot of things that they just don't tell you about when you when you sign on the dotted line. I mean, you, you understand that, you know, the mortgage, the insurance and all that stuff. But... Just the day-to-day -day maintenance is just things that I just did not see coming. And yeah, it's been fun though. I mean, it's been fun just building stuff from scratch and, you know, putting stuff together and just having that general sense of accomplishment, but also at the same time, yeah, I wish I also had time to do other things <laughs> and not worry about just stuff breaking or stuff needing to be updated or anything like that. You figure, well, you know, I got that taken care of once. I never have to worry about it again. Nope. Just wait a couple of years and you'll have to do that. And one of those things was building a fence with wood. And nope, that didn't work. So now we're going to build a wall with solid concrete blocks. And yeah, that's just something that just needed to happen. It's been a long time coming. And I'm glad, I'm glad we're just finally getting around to it. But yeah, unfortunately, that meant my Friday was pretty much occupied with taking care of things. And generally just resting and not having the time to actually do stuff and not actually having the time to look up news to find that's irrelevant and important to put on a podcast but but i figured you guys deserve an explanation for what's been going on so yeah along with just general life stuff taking place i had to build the wall and we're still building that wall so apologies if you know the podcasts are of an infrequent nature this week just because yeah i think my back is already getting to me <laughs> Okay, moving along to something I did manage to do over the weekend. Well, managed to do in the fact that I was, you know, falling in and out of sleep while watching it on my couch on TV. I uh, was watched uh, NXT and SummerSlam over the weekend, which is the, let's say, like the second biggest event that WWE puts up in the calendar year. Uh, you know, there's WrestleMania, wherever that is, because it's the big stadium show. And they've got NXT the night before, and they put out all of... The big guns and all of the title matches and all of the crazy finishes for that show. But 
you know, not f- too far behind is the Brooklyn show, uh, which features an NXT show on Saturday, SummerSlam on Sunday, and then Raw and SmackDown on Monday and Tuesday. So we're halfway through a wrestling weekend in Brooklyn, and it's been pretty good so far, at least from what I've managed to watch while I am not falling asleep or passing out from the pain and the suffering of building a wall. <laughs> it's not that bad, but just kidding. So I uh, watched NXT first, and yeah, it was quite a spectacular show. I thought the uh, North American Championship match between Adam Cole and Ricochet was uh, just on on par with like some of the greatest matches I've seen in quite some time, at least like in this decade. And it was just a fantastic back and forth. Ricochet is just as as amazing athletic specimen. The dude is just something to behold to watch. Uh, you know, you've heard about him in like in the independence and you know doing well in Lucha Underground and all that stuff. But to see him on the big stage of a WWE ring with a WWE crowd, and you know, it's the hardcore fans because it's NXT. Uh, it was just it was just so fun to watch. And Adam Cole was. You know, playing great as a you know heel champion, and there was one particular spot where uh, Ricochet did springboard and was you know basically like head first was gonna land head first right into the ground uh, in the position, and Adam Cole manages to nail him with a super kick right in the well, not necessarily right in the face because you don't want necessarily want to hit somebody in the face and you know have them land really badly, but it was a very very small window of opportunity where Adam Cole could super kick Ricochet right in the right in the sweet spot where you know ricochet would just land perfectly uh and set up like you know a finisher and that was just a spectacular sequence and the finish you know ricochet wins the north american championship and it's all good i think it's a fantastic match i this probably isn't the end of their feud and it's probably going to keep going for a little bit but you know as a starter as a first match wow that, that is just Good stuff, good stuff all around. Uh, Kyrie Sane winning the women's championship over Shania Blazer. Uh, it was a pretty interesting finish where Blazer got in her finishing move, which is basically the I hug you with the sleeper hold and fall down, which is basically the same thing that Samoa Joe does with the Coquina Clutch. I don't know. I always, Every time I see somebody doing the I will put you in the sleeper hold, like, you know, wrap my legs around you and then drop you, and they always come up with different names for it. It's an interesting vibe. But anyways... You know, Baszler got her uh, finisher on there, and then Kyrie manages to just you know flip around and you know pin her for the uh, NXT Women's Championship. Good match, also just fun to watch and seeing Kyrie. You know, maybe unleash a little bit of like a more vicious side because her character has pretty much been pirate ever since she's uh, you know made it to American soil. It's but just been funny pirate with an amazing uh, top rope elbow. And she managed to show a little bit more, a little bit more of a violent side, a little bit more of like an angry side that has just been waiting to come out. And that was fun to watch. And much like the uh, the Cole Ricochet feud, it's probably not the end of this particular feud. It's probably just the beginning. So that's fun to watch. And then finally, we have the uh, the Johnny Gargano, uh, Tommaso Ciampa championship match for the NXT uh, Men's Championship. And that was also a fun watch. Uh, this was one where I wasn't actually able to pay attention for the most part because I was falling in and out of sleep. I managed to fa- catch the first couple of minutes of the match. And then basically to finish where Gargano uh, knees Ciampa, who is handcuffed to one of the video boards. Don't ask. And it's a last man standing match. And for whatever reason, Gargano kind of overshoots it and hurts his own knee, which is apparently also a real thing. 
but at the end of the day, Ciampa manages to win the NXT Championship. And he gets to continue his run as the dominant heel champion who everybody hates. And he has done just a masterful job of being such a unlikable bad guy. Because there's a difference in wrestling nowadays where there's a likable bad guy and an unlikable bad guy. And Ciampa has managed to balance that and create such an unlikable character where there's no theme music. Apparently he doesn't like you know, merch being sold of his. And he's just do, really doing a great job of getting everybody to hate him because dude's just on a roll right now. And, you know, considering that it, this might not translate to the main roster, he's just soaking it up as much as he can for the meantime. And, yeah, congrats to him. Yeah, you know, I think if they can play right, he can just be champion for a very long time at, down in NXT and just parlay that maybe hopefully into a successful run at the main roster at some point in the future. As for the main roster itself... SummerSlam, that thing happened. Uh, I didn't watch the pre-show. I just, you know, caught bits and pieces of it. Uh, just to see how Rusev would do and Lana. And they lost against Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega. And, yeah, that was kind of a bummer. And, man, to go from main eventing uh, the last pay-per-view and competing for the big championship and then to be the first match of the pre-show, the following pay-per-view. Wow, that's, that's a little bit of a bummer for Rusev. And... I'm not sure if that was, you know, just the way that he looked coming out of uh, coming out to the ring uh, was part of his character, or was he just genuinely just upset about his order uh, in, in the whole match card? Uh, something we'll probably learn at some point in the future. But yeah, it was just a bummer to see like Rusev go from like just being such a hot hot character and you know f- you know striking gold with Rusev Day and to just be relegated to this after like I said main eventing the last pre preview. Uh, it's kind of a shame. Uh, so moving on to the main card, we've got Seth Rollins along with uh, returning Dean Ambrose going up against Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. And, uh, you know, when you saw how the match order was going to go uh, with that going first, you figured that's probably going to be like the best match of the entire show. And it was. It was actually quite good. Uh, it's It kind of plays in line with what you expect from like a WWE quote unquote good match is supposed to be. But it was a really, really good kind of those. And it was a great way to set the table for the rest of the night. Uh, There was no heel turn by Ambrose. Uh, He did a pretty good job of not necessarily overshadowing the match. Because him coming back was definitely going to be like, get a lot of people hyped up, a lot of people talking. And especially since he looks so much different from his previous look. uh, You know, there's always that suspicion that he might turn heel. But that did not end up being the case. Rollins ends with him winning the uh, Intercontinental Championship in a fantastic match. Uh, Just some great back and forth all around, including a reverse superplex, which I've never seen before, where, you know, they go for the superplex on the top rope spot. And instead of landing on his back, Dolph lands on his belly, which is just really uncomfortable to watch. But also kind of amazing to see. It's like, whoa, that I've never seen it look go look that way before. That might I'm not. There's probably a reason why they don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm almost out of lots of words. It's probably quite painful actually. So, yeah, good on Rollins and Ziggler for really starting things off with SummerSlam on a on a great note, uh, which is more than I can say for the next match, which was the New Day against the Bludgeon Brothers, which was okay for what it was. Uh, until the Bludgeon Brothers decided to hit them with the fake hammers, which is such a weird thing uh, for the Bludgies, is they've got this gimmick where they've got 
these hammers that they take to the ring with them and they really don't use it that much and when they do use it it looks like it's just foam hammers and this this whole sequence is no different it's like yeah can we just can they just have like actual hammers just not those big giant malady not looking real looking ones because like i said they just look so absurd uh, and then next up we've got uh braun Strowman against kevin owens which uh yeah that happened uh, i feel bad for ko <laughs> for a little bit but considering how many matches they had on the main card and how they had to they're probably thinking they had to like keep this really short compared to like the marathons that was like wrestlemania and everything and yeah th this ended up just being ko being just beaten up to a mess to just a sad sad mess and the match ended up being like less than two minutes and braun Strowman winning and keeping his money in the back contract which would be critical for later on in the show and then next up we've got the triple threat match for the women's championship on smackdown between charlotte flair becky lynch and carmella and it was a good match but it really what was interesting about it was the stuff that happened afterwards which was the crowd really really feeling bad for becky lynch and cheering her on as charlotte manages to win the women's championship uh you know basically just hitting becky lynch while she had the her finisher on her finishing submission move and then charlotte hitting her with her own finisher and then pinning becky for the title and you know it's been leading up to it there's been a lot of hints that it was going to happen where becky was kind of upset that charlotte kind of just manages to you know work her way into the championship match without really trying that hard and it really just exploded from there and becky lynch turned heel slapped charlotte and just proceeded to beat the living snot out of her <laughs> which was a lot more uh, a lot more interesting a lot more fun than what braun did to ko just a couple minutes ago so becky lynch is now a heel probably and unless they kind of flip this around and becky lynch was actually right all along and charlotte's actually the real heel in all of this so it'll be interesting to see how they flip this or don't on smackdown live this coming tuesday and then next up we've got interestingly enough uh early on in SummerSlam, uh samoa joe versus aj styles for the wwe championship and i know there's a lot of people thought about it was a good match but i thought it was kind of plodding and slow to start things off and then it really got turned up towards the end and there was an interesting angle i guess they were playing about samoa joe uh telling everybody that aj is a terrible father aj's wife and one daughter were there and uh yeah that was very much a this felt like a 90s, almost 80s kind of vibe in terms of like the storyline being played out. And yeah, AJ actually ended up losing by disqualification by bashing Joe with a bunch of steel chairs. And I guess this isn't over, obviously. So we're probably going to get something at Hell in a Cell. And then we've got The Miz defeating Daniel Bryan, a match that was, you know, almost a decade in the making, although they've faced each other many times since then. Uh, Daniel Bryan... Um, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that I've kind of waned on the comeback or anything like that, but it feels like I've seen the Daniel Bryan match for a whole bunch of times now, and it's always still fun to watch, but I, I'm expecting something more now, and him going up against The Miz is, yes, while it is fun and the storyline has been quite intriguing and something that probably should have deserved the main event spot of all things, but it just feels like DB really needs to go up against guys like AJ Styles now or Shinsuke Nakamura or Samoa Joe where we get to see a different side of Daniel Bryan. And, you know, just seeing him going up against the regular WWE guys like The Miz, you're seeing a lot of the same stuff. You know, the kicks, the drop kick, the corner stuff. 
and eventually the Yes Lock. And you just kind of want to see the independent superstar American Dragon come out. And that's not going to happen until, you know, Daniel Bryan faces those guys. And, you know, him going up against The Miz, I know it's a story that's very intriguing. And like I said, has been very well done and hyped up. And, you know, we'll probably maybe, maybe have a conclusion in Hell in a Cell. So, yeah, uh, you know, Miz wins by shenanigans with a brass knucks, and which is, again, very old school. And Maurice was there. And hi, Maurice. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, good match all along. But just maybe so, just a little bit short of what I was hoping for. And maybe I'm just hoping for something else with Daniel Bryan down the line. And then we've got Finn Balor destroying Baron Corbin by bringing out the demon, which was a happy surprise. Just never expected that to happen because, you know, Finn hasn't brought out the demon character in quite some time. And, you know, to see him break out that and not knowing that it was going to happen was just something that caught a lot of people off guard, including myself. Uh, when I woke up, I was like, wait, is that the demon? And then I, so I had to, like, actually rewind it because, like I said, I fell asleep. And it was just fun to see. It's like, you know, that's basically peak Finn Balor and... I understand that he shouldn't be the demon character all the time, but when he does break that out, it's a good time all around. And to see him destroy Baron Corbin, and, you know, I don't really have an opinion on Baron Corbin. He can just kind of go either way, but it just proves the fact that demon Finn Balor should just be something that should be saved, saved for special occasions. And the fact that it was basically a minute and a half squash uh, makes it, you know, worthwhile, even though that probably took like many, many hours to pull off that whole paint thing. Uh, to see Finn destroy somebody in that time in the demon paint just makes sense. And then we had uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, my dude, defending his United States Championship against Jeff Hardy. Totally expecting a Randy Orton turn, uh, you know, here or an interference at some point didn't happen. And Nakamura retains the U.S. title clean, which is good to see. Uh, Randy Orton did show up after the match to maybe sort of beat up Jeff Hardy, but not. So, eh, whatever. That's probably going to happen at some point. And then we've got Ronda Rousey uh, defeating Alexa Bliss in another squash. There was quite a bit of, there's quite a few squash matches in this uh, SummerSlam, which I was quite intrigued and quite happy to see uh, because, you know, a lot of these pay-per-views can kind of just go on and drag for a very long time. Uh, and you need these kind of matches to kind of like cleanse the slate and kind of get you ready for the next big thing. And Rousey getting that spot to just, you know, dismantle Alexa Bliss and win the Women's Championship was a good spot for her. It's a little bit weird, though, uh, with the whole she had like a makeup that made her look like a funny raccoon, I guess. And then, <laughs> and then her just like yelling at the crowd uh, was kind of like an interesting direction to go with. But yeah, maybe we should just not have her do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just thought that maybe there should have just been less yelling and more just whooping. And you now R Rousey is the Raw Women's Champion and probably going to be Women's Champion for quite some time. It'll be interesting to see how they actually eventually break that and see who's actually going to beat her. Because now that she has that title, that means that thing's going to be locked up. Uh, that division is going to be locked up for quite some time. And I don't see anybody in that division on Raw like being a quote-unquote worthy enough challenger to hang with her. I mean, Sasha Banks could, but I don't know if they're going to build her up to that point where she's going to be the one that beats Rousey. My guess is it's going to be the... The long rumored match between her and Charlotte Flair at some point, probably in WrestleMania, a, you know, almost a year from now. So we'll see how that goes. And then finally, uh, we had Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship, which, you know, it's been a long time coming, kind of like Daniel Bryan and The Miz, even though 
Roman and Brock have faced each other so many damn times now. It's kind of getting really trite, trite and just boring at this point. But anyways, they managed to put on a, a a good match, I guess. I guess it was good. I don't know because it was just a couple minutes and most of it was involving uh, Braun Strowman just showing up and saying he's going to cash in on whoever wins that match. And it was a, it was a thing that happened. And... You know, the match starts and, you know, Roman gets in a couple of Superman punches and a couple of spears. But, you know, that kind of gets breaking up. And then Brock, for whatever reason, starts to focus on uh, Braun Strowman, beats him up and then throws the money in the back briefcase into the stage, which is crazy considering how far that is. And Brock has been known to throw stuff and hit people in the crowd. And I was just I was just glad that it didn't hit anybody because it seems like he threw that briefcase with a lot of velocity. And to the point where it actually like broke a piece of the screen on the stage, I was like, "Ooh, thank God it didn't go into the crowd because that could probably could have killed somebody." Uh, but anyways, um, it was a six-minute match, and Brock spent maybe three of it beating up a Braun Strowman and you know making Strowman look like a wuss, which is kind of sad. Uh, and then when Brock got finished with beating up Braun Strowman. He ended up getting speared by Roman, and yeah, now we have a universal champion. And you know how sometimes they like to end the show with like extended, you know, celebration shots and watching the champion just being happy and celebrating that he won the championship. That wasn't really the case here. It was like because I was looking at the runtime and I could see that I didn't watch this live, obviously. So I could see that this was gonna end pretty quick, and I was looking at the time and I was like, wait. This pay-per-view is going to end in about two minutes, and somehow the match isn't over yet. And then we hit the spear, one, two, three, championship, Roman holds the title, and we get a couple quick replays, and then fade to black. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, they just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible without, like, getting shots of, like, the crowd booing or anything like that. And it was just, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff going on in basically a six-minute match, and it was pretty action-packed in that regard, so... I guess Brock is either going to just go straight to the UFC and not come back, or he's going to come back at some point and take the title away from Roman. So, yeah, uh, the thing that I guess is maybe the most interesting out of everything is like, well, Roman now has the Universal Championship. It's on Raw. We don't have to worry about, like, you know, a champion not being on the show anymore. And, yeah, good for them. At least now we have that to enjoy, I guess, that big red belt. So, yeah, overall, SummerSlam was a good time. It was a good uh, four hours, although I guess, I'm guess i guessing I spent maybe 50% of it falling asleep in and out. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, building walls kind of ruins the enjoyment of watching WWE pay-per-views, but I'm not complaining. Like I said, just the stuff that I was awake to see was good to, you know, good to watch. And you know, I'm just looking forward to, you know, what's going to happen because the next uh, uh, pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell. And there's going to be a lot of stuff going on there. And hopefully uh, there's not going to be somebody who's going to be crazy enough to jump off that cell anymore. So Shane McMahon, please don't come back and jump off that cell because we've seen that spot already. Okay, and then finally, the one other thing I managed to do over the weekend was buy a pair of the Nike Kobe 1 All-Star. Uh, it was available. It was actually easily available. Uh, much to my well i wouldn't say it was actually surprised because the kobe one pro Tro, if you look around stores all over the la area especially at full locker house of hoops or at the nike stores they tend to have like one pair just hanging out 
you know, just easy to get. And it's been that way since the since the count to 16, which is the Lakers PE. Uh, that's been kind of not that difficult to find. And the MPLS has not been a difficult uh, sneaker to cop either, even though I did buy it day one. And I figured this would be the case also with the All-Star, but I didn't think it was going to be a shoe that was ever going to drop in price at some point. So, yeah, I managed to just scoop it up, buy it, and now I'm quite happy with it. I have pretty much all of the OG colorways that have come out so far between the Del Sol, the MPLS, and now the All-Star. So I'm quite happy with my Nike Kobe 1 Pro Trail collection. I don't have any of the undefeated collaborations, but eh, I can live with that. The only one that I'm bummed out that I don't have at the moment is the uh, white and black with the gum sole undefeated collab. But other than that, the player exclusives with the camo graphic, I can live without that. Although I would like the, the LeBron pair that he wore with the Lakers colors, but it's not a big deal. What was most important to me is that I managed to have the OG colorways of the Kobe one in hand. And now that I do, I'm quite satisfied with that and good on Nike for making enough pairs that we don't have to worry about that. And those of us who appreciate the Kobe one the first time around can have them you know, the second time around. And hopefully we'll get more pairs coming out. And I've, you know, see like, you know, the inline pair, uh, hopefully make an appearance. And also the uh, white and gray with the hints of Del Sol also on there. It's also come out at some point. So, yeah, looking forward to having a pretty robust Kobe one pro tro collection uh, down the line. And it'll just be fun to have because... Yeah, it's probably my favorite Kobe retro Kobe sneaker at this point uh, between that and the Kobe 4 and the Kobe 8, depending on what day it is. But right now, because it's the one that's readily available at the moment, I think the title goes to the Nike Kobe 1 Pro Tro. All right, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed that episode of the Easeville Minute. This is Juan Martinez of the Easeville Network. Find out more about the network by going to patreon.com slash Easeville. That's E-Z-Y-V-I-L-L-E. Subscribe to that. It's how we keep things going. It's how we keep the podcast ad-free. And, of course, you'll see exclusive content on there that you just won't see anywhere else. So check that out at patreon.com slash Appreciate you checking that out. And, yeah, I will see you at the next thing.